Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 9 of the Sports Show. My name is Jim Parsons, I'm here with thesportsshow.com. We're going to be talking all things double or nothing and the fallout of CM Punk's injury, what that means for AEW, the Battle Royal on Dynamite, John Moxley, Forbidden Door, the Dominion Show, Everything that comes with what AEW has decided to do here, we're going to be talking about that. Plus, we're also going to be talking about WWE's Hell in a Cell from Sunday night, uh, Cody Rhodes' injury, the rest of the matches on the card, what happens now, why did Cody wrestle, should he have been allowed to. We're going to get into all of that on Episode 9. Before we let you enjoy the show, uh, don't forget, go on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts. Uh, download, subscribe, give us a rating on that. That would really help us out. But enjoy episode nine of the Sportster Show with Norman Quarantine and myself, Jim Parsons, here from the Sportster.com. with you guys welcome uh my name is jim parsons i'm here with norman quarantine from the sportster we're going to be talking a lot of stuff we're going to try to jam it all into about 45 minutes we've got uh, the repercussions of double or nothing which we talked about on the last show but a lot of news that has fallen since then and then we have hell in a cell and some massive developments that came out of that pay-per-view on sunday night so uh, norman's with us norman how you doing i'm good man how are you good I'm good. Uh, I witnessed what I believe to be one of the most memorable pay-per-views on Sunday night, perhaps in years. And I'm going to get your reaction to it and everything that happened on that show, the matches, uh, the big storyline, obviously, with Cody Rhodes. Uh, So I really like that pay-per-view. But we'll get to that. I want to talk about the news coming out of Double or Nothing because uh, people will stick around and talk about Cody Rhodes, I'm sure. But CM Punk's news and the what the dominoes that are falling because of it is huge for AEW, right? So we talked about Double or Nothing on the last show, um, and we talked about the matches and how we thought the pay-per-view went, and then within hours, we learned that CM Punk was injured, and then on Rampage on Friday night, he announced that he was so injured he was going to have to take some time away and get surgery. So now we have 
one of the most confusing segments in AEW Rampage history, one of the more complicated promos, which Chris Jericho made even worse when he was on commentary that night, uh, but it's all been sorted out. So I want to get your first reactions to the news, one, that CM Punk is injured, and two, that there will now be a battle royal and an interim AEW champion uh, where uh, the Dominion show, Forbidden Door, Dynamite are all worked into these equations. So what's your thoughts initially here? I mean, first of all, it's it really sucks that uh, that CM Punk has had to, you know, I mean, look, now we've got to be careful how what words we use, right? Because I guess technically he hasn't like relinquished the title, right? Because he's still champion, but there's also going to be an interim champion. Um, but yeah, before I get to that, first of all, it sucks that Punk, this had to happen because I felt like with Punk on top as champion, as like the number one guy, I really felt like AEW was about to about to move up a gear right i i i i we didn't necessarily see that um reflected in the ratings per se but i still felt that there was a lot of uh, energy and excitement there and that we were about to get a, uh for the first time well not for the first time because i mean every champ every aw champ has has been a deserving champ and has been like a top guy and has proved that they can sort of carry the company as a top guy right jericho moxley omega and Hangman Page, they're all worthy champs, and they're all like top guys. But with Punk, Punk's—I I don't think it's controversial to say that CM Punk is the biggest star out of all of those. Um, and so, yeah, it was exciting when he won. It felt like we were on the verge of something special, like we were about to get a new summer of Punk, right? And I feel like it, the fan base was very, very pumped about that. So that sucks. That's so disappointing. I was really, really upset about it. And he's not getting any younger, so I hope he recovers very quickly. And I hope we do get like. I'd hope we do get at least one more magical CM Punk run before he has to call it quits forever. Um, that sucks. So the aftermath of that also sucks. <laughs> None of it makes any sense. You don't need to do it. And I know it's like, I get that they want to sort of differentiate themselves to an extent. I know that T- Tony Khan wants to have this sort of legitimate sort of presentation and more of like a, a legit combat sports sort of vibe sometimes with the rankings. You see it a lot. Um, but you also need to simplify things sometimes, man. You can't make everything so unnecessarily complicated just for the sake of your own ego, I guess. Like, we don't need all of this convoluted... Basically, you just you just say CM Punk is unable to defend the championship, therefore he is no longer the champion. We are going to have a tournament to decide who is going to be the new champion. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think the way they've gone about it is, is overly complicated, unnecessarily complicated. It kind of... Um, May I, I felt that Punk um, Punk's injury, as much as it sucked, it was an opportunity for them to experiment and for them to maybe um, hot shot a younger guy and let him give him a chance to sort of carry the company over, uh, for until Punk's healed, which will hopefully hopefully he'll be back by the end of the year, right? Um, but the way they did it just put a, put a dampener on everything and, and made it so complicated and less enjoyable than it it could have been, right? It could make lemon lemonade out of the lemons, but instead it's more it's just confusing yeah yeah they i would have found that had they really planned out how they wanted to make this announcement when i was watching rampage i got this feeling like not everybody was in on what was happening here and maybe tony khan was scrambling last minute to go oh man what are we going to do but i don't imagine that tony khan probably doesn't know what his plan is going into that cm punk promo right like i'm thinking in in my head, Tony Khan knows he wants to have a battle royal. He wants to have that person face John Moxley, who he's made the top contender. 
to then go on and face Tanahashi or whomever. And I think he's got it laid out, but he didn't tell anybody. And mm-hmm. so Chris Jericho, who's not on a headset uh, during a rampage, doesn't have a clue what's mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm. So he sees this. He's used to the way things work, that people relinquish a title when they can't defend it. So he says twice on the show... Uh, CM Punk is going to relinquish his title. And then, of course, there's a correction. And even Excalibur, when he makes the correction, isn't right. Yeah. He says, okay, well, there's going to be a battle royal next week, and the winner will face John Moxley at Forbidden Door, which is not true. Because yeah. what's going to happen is that person's going to face John Moxley that night in the main event of Dynamite. The winner of that match is going to go on to face um, a match that's happening at Dominion, who will then move on to Forbidden Door. And, like, had they laid it out in exactly those steps, okay. Yes, it's still overcomplicated, but we would have been able to follow along. Instead, there was this cluster of information that was being thrown at the fans. Nobody had a clue what was going on. Um, yes, the tournament would be a much more interesting idea and a really good way to highlight people. The Battle Royale just seems sort of like, here, let's just plop 20 guys in there, and we all kind of probably know who the top two or three that are likely going to win this thing are. And then we know John Moxley. By the way, they changed the rankings in the middle of making the announcement. So John Moxley was not the top contender for the AEW championship when they made the announcement that Moxley would be the guy that somebody would face. Then they changed the rankings. So it was just another example of how stupid those rankings are, right? Yeah. It just appears as though they're like, oh, crap, we need Moxley to be the guy. Let's just plop him to the top. It's not like he doesn't deserve to be there, but the timing of it was just really dumb. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It was just very poorly executed. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't tell people who needed to know what they needed to know and how to share that with the fans. And yeah. then a bunch of statements later and all this other stuff, we have this three or four step process to get to what is ultimately going to be somebody versus CM Punk at some point down the road. Yeah. I think they just really like the idea of an interim title um, yeah. and having Punk hang on to it because they've got so much invested in CM Punk and to remove the title from around his waist days after he's won it. Mm-hmm. I think they were against that idea. That's just yeah. my personal take that they probably didn't want to do that yeah. just because they put so much time and effort into them, and it's kind of an MMA thing, right? You've got interim titles, uh, yeah. and then you have you you combine them when that person's back and healthy. So they like the idea of the realism and the real fight that goes into it. That's why they have a ranking system in the first place. Yeah. Um, so and, I, don't know. I mean, you're right though. It's totally confusing. Yeah, and Tony Khan's done interim stuff before, right? He's done it with the TNT title. He's done it with the Ring of Honor Women's Championship, which was <laughs> totally unnecessary. Um, yeah, so I mean, I get why he wants to do it. And I will say, like, I wasn't a fan of the rankings at first. Like, when AEW launched, I thought the rankings was a bit... I know, just, I didn't, I didn't think it was necessary. They did start to win me over eventually, right? They did start to sort of... They were being consistent with them to an extent. And I and I thought... And there was, you know, a couple... They'd have a couple of um, loopholes here and there. Like, you know, Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy was unsanctioned, so it doesn't affect the rankings, like, stuff like that. Um, but they were starting to win me over. But now with them just sort of changing it on the fly and Tony Khan putting out that big tweet where he's like, you know, uh, Moxley's opponents were better. So he's high, he's he's ranked higher <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, I, you, I think there needs to be some consistency there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a learning curve. So hopefully they, they hopefully they know to be a little bit more organized next time. But. Yeah, I certainly get the idea behind why they want to have a ranking system. They Tony wants wins and losses to matter. I right. get that. Yeah. But what I don't like are the limitations that come with the ranking systems. Like you, you literally cannot bring in CM Punk to your promotion. You cannot bring in Brian Danielson. You cannot bring in Adam Cole. You cannot bring in any of these people and give them a world title match right away. Right. Yeah. Because you they've got can't, because you can't yeah. justify having a guy who's O and O 
or 1-0 or 2-0 fighting for the title. Yeah. Where in any other promotion, in any other situation, when it calls for it, and that's the match that makes the most sense, AEW can't do it. Right, exactly. And that's exactly. why I, I, hate, I hate the ranking system. And then... You, you miss opportunity. Like, we saw this with CM Punk and how long it took to build to get him to this point. We all bashed the fact that they weren't doing what they should be doing with CM Punk because they were building him up to get him to a certain O record so that he could be a contender yeah. for the title. Yeah. I think you just miss those windows are so important. Yeah, you got to catch that energy, right? A, yeah. And if and if let's say for example, if you flipped it, right? So if Kenny Omega went to WWE uh, next month, right? Let's just say by some miracle Kenny Omega ended up at WWE. If he if he didn't go straight into the title picture, people would be mad as hell. <laughs> if he was yes. just trying to if he was picking up wins for six months over you know nobodies, Happy Corbins and people like that, people would be mad as hell. So you know. Yeah, you you, yeah. you do got to capitalize on that momentum and that excitement of bringing in a big name, for sure. So what do you think about the news that, uh, we don't know how serious it is, and maybe you've got an update here that I don't know, but what about Brian Danielson and the injury, apparently, that he just suffered? So he was not able to make a meet and greet at A&W mm. uh, because he couldn't fly. I guess he was injured to the point where he couldn't fly, he couldn't mm-hmm. get on the flight. I don't know what that means. Is he not going to be on Wednesday's Dynamite? Like, will he not be part of the Battle Royale? Because to me, he's, he's the guy. Right, right? absolutely, if, yeah. It, if CM Punk is not the guy, Brian Danielson to me is, right? Yeah, maybe you can make an argument for Adam Cole, but I think you put Brian Danielson in that spot, especially if you can have him wrestle Moxley later in the night. I think that'd be unreal, right? Yeah. If he's injured and can't go, oh, what does that mean for yeah. the whole Battle Royal? Like, so I don't know much about I don't know much about uh, Danielson's uh, status right now, but the fact that he isn't that his name isn't really being tossed around that much or that we are seeing Moxley, they are. I feel like a lot of the um, the copy and and the, and the verbiage that's coming out of AEW is is referencing Moxley quite a lot and um, Tanahashi and Goto and, and people like that. Um, so yeah, I feel like the fact that we haven't heard a lot about that could be. I think he. I think Danielson's probably going to be gone for a, a little while. I don't know. I don't have any inside information on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him for about six weeks. Um, you're thinking just because they're not mentioning him in connection to the title or to the Forbidden Door pay-per-view like if if he was able to go they'd be saying his name a lot more is that what you're getting at yeah kind of, basically yeah I just feel and I could be wrong there maybe they have mentioned him a bunch and I just I just didn't and I just didn't take it on board but I feel like I haven't seen his name thrown around there but Moxley's name has been thrown around quite a bit um, a Blackpool Combat Club sort of even if you throw Uter in there I mean I know he's not you know a, a legitimate title contender right now um but if i feel like if you were to do like a, a some sort of blackpool combat club triple threat match for the for the vacant title i feel like that could be that could have a lot of potential you know um yeah so yeah the, I, I danielson in theory should be the guy right if punk's your champion and he can't defend the title then and you have daniel you have brian danielson on your roster then that's 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 who you go to next basically um yeah but yeah we'll see where they go do you got any other names that you would think should be showcased? Now, let's assume Danielson's okay. Mm. So we know Danielson, right? Mm-hmm. we got to assume probably Adam Cole and Hangman Page, just because Hangman Page is the previous title holder. Mm-hmm. Who else? Does AEW's got a pretty deep roster now. Mm-hmm. Do you got one or two more names that you're like, these guys should absolutely be in this conversation? So, I mean, for me personally, like I said earlier, I feel like it would be a good... I And this is just me, and I know and I'm a bit of a maniac and a bit of a sicko when it comes to pro wrestling. I think the opportunity is there to at least experiment with someone with like maybe just hot shot a young guy and stick it on a young guy and just see how they do and if it doesn't work then you can 
have Moxley or Jericho or Danielson or whoever beat this person. But my in my mind, I was thinking Ricky Starks. Um, I know he doesn't wrestle a lot. He has a neck injury. That, to me, could actually prove to be beneficial in a way. Um, I'm not saying... I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Ricky Starks should 100% be the AEW World Champion, but that's like a thing that I'm envisioning and I can see myself being totally like happy with that. Um, yeah, then you've got what? Keith Lee, you've got Swerve, you've got... Um, you know, you've got this, this, the, the roster's stacked and there's, I don't think there's, I think there's room for experimentation, but we'll see what they do. You know, if I'm following your trend and going with uh, maybe an underdog here, the two names that stand out for me are Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy, mm. because those are two very interesting people, both of whom were at one point <laughs> considered to be maybe the next big faces of AEW, mm-hmm. not necessarily the biggest in-ring wrestling guys mm-hmm. or the ones that you're like, oh man, these guys are going to put on the best matches, but the ones the fans really embraced, they mm. really like kind of loved the idea of Darby Allen and the idea of Orange Cassidy. And both of these guys have sort of taken a downward trend. Now, Darby Allen's still been in some really good matches, and he's still getting a lot of attention. Orange Cassidy's been lost in the shuffle for me. Yeah. Uh, he's not done much. Uh, he's been kind of with the best friends. He's kind of been with um, you know others and not really done a whole lot. Mm. That would be a shocker. Like, mm-hmm. if you put the belt around one of those two guys, I think the fans would really get into it. And like yeah. you said you could have somebody beat them. So it doesn't have to be permanent. It doesn't have to be one of these things where the guy holds on to the title until CM Punk is ready to go because we have no idea when CM Punk will be back. We Mm. could be talking a few weeks here. We could be talking a few months. So you need somebody or at least a storyline to build up and fill that window of time. Mm -hmm. But Darby Allen to me, would have the fans go crazy, and Orange Cassidy would be the choice that I'd be like, man, no one saw that coming. And that is such an interesting very different take on this AEW world title that we've seen so far in the three years of the company that I think, man, could you write some interesting stuff there? And somehow he's the underdog that even though he's wrestling guy, keeps hanging on to the belt. Like, just mm. for whatever reason, he's getting the crap kicked out of him, but just keeps winning, right? It'd be a very, very interesting storyline. But I'm with you. If, if Danielson's good to go, I think he's the natural fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, along your trend here. What about MJF? Do you think the way all this stuff has gone down and they've removed him from the roster. They've, we heard today, Warner media has asked mm. and put out an edict that he's not in any of the opening promos yeah. or the, anything like that anymore. Yeah. I have no idea where the work and the shoot line stops here. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, would you try to figure out a way to include? I him think it's thing? bad timing. Honestly, I think they, I think they have now, obviously now I'm, I'm I, I do believe that this whole situation started as a shoot and is now fully a work. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, I think it's bad timing. I think they're locked into this angle now, and so now they can't. They can't. I think MJF probably would have been a, a top contender at any other time if this had happened, you know, six weeks ago. But at, right now, they, I don't think they want to interfere with this MJF angle, which is probably for the best. Um, one person I, I forgot to mention, and now the more I think about it, the more I like this idea, and I'm and it and it makes me think of uh, McFoley in in 99 late 98 99 era uh is eddie kingston um i could yeah. i could i could see eddie you kingston mean the butts in the seats championship win you mean yes like the tony shivani that'll put butts in the seats. yeah win? exactly yeah, yeah. um sure. and i yeah so I, I can actually see eddie kingston being a very very worthy i don't transitional champion isn't fair and obviously the the, the terminology they're using is interim champion but i can see him being a guy that can carry that carry that title for six months and get pops and 
have everybody thinking like nobody's going to think that he doesn't deserve it apart from a couple of you know old people <laughs> um yeah and so but and he would have to the match it would have to be similar to foley's foley's wwf championship run right where his matches are they're mostly right. like messy but really really um just enjoyable um yeah so i could see that i could see that working okay now i have to ask the obvious question would you consider wardlow for this because here's a guy who's got the goldberg-esque sort of run you have this Atlanta showdown, Hulk Hogan, Goldberg. Goldberg wins the title. Everybody's on the Goldberg train. Everybody's on the Wardlow train right now. Is it too early to give him the AEW World Championship? Do you need to do more with him to establish him mm. as big of a star as Goldberg was at that time when he took the title from Hulk Hogan? Mm. Or do you go, man, we didn't expect this, but this is an opportunity for us to really push all of our chips in on Wardlow. Mm. Let's make him the world champion. Yes or no, Wardlow being in this conversation? Um, I think he should be in the conversation, and I definitely think that's an option. I don't think I would necessarily go down that that road at this moment. I still think that because technically he just signed for AEW, right? He's only in, in storyline. He's just he's only just signed, so I yeah, think that point. there's yeah. So there's some leeway for them. Like if people are going to question why they're not, you know, strapping the rocket to Wardlow right now in terms of the title. Um, they can say, well, he just I guess signed. Technically, so. isn't he like one and zero? Well, exactly. Yeah, although they still show his record as his being matches. like it's like fifty. I can't remember what his loss. He's lost a few, a couple of matches, but um, right. yeah. So I think, but I feel like if they were to do it, I don't think anyone would really complain. And I think he's ready for a dominant Goldberg esque sort of title run where he. I mean, I, I actually think he's good, pretty like really solid in the ring. Um, but I wouldn't want him to be exposed in sort of regular long main events. So yeah, it would have to be a pretty like um, you know spear jackhammer <laughs> one two three. I was gonna say, <laughs> if if Wardlow is in the running for this, and if AEW decides that this is something that they want to consider, I almost feel like they would have to have him just destroy everyone. Yeah, like he would have to go in that battle royal, eliminate half or more of the field. Move on and face Moxley and destroy Moxley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not even a contest. Just to keep that train rolling, right? Yeah. Just to go, holy crap, he's a serious contender. Like, not only did he just walk through MJF and now he's unstoppable, he just walked through an entire battle royal and just walked through John Moxley. Mm. Like, that would be very interesting. The only downside, I suppose, of that is one, does it make your other guys look bad? To what do you do for the guys that you might have to face at Forbidden Door? Because Wardlow's yeah. not really in that conversation, mm-hmm. right? He's not a New Japan guy. He's yeah. not the guy you associate to having a five-star match with someone from New Japan. There's no dream match involved yeah. with Wardlow and somebody out of New Japan. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be the downside of doing that. And yeah. it certainly would have an interesting change in direction. Yeah, in and also it would be like, how, how do you get it off of him is the thing as well. Because yeah. then, then you kind of book yourself into a corner a little bit when Punk comes back um you would have to like maybe turn him heel and then have it be like have a big baby face moment where they where they get off him but yeah i mean look they've got options um i'm looking forward to see I, it's, it's convoluted and complicated right now but i'm looking forward to seeing what the end result is for sure yeah wednesday's dynamite's gonna be a must watch absolutely that's for sure. yeah okay so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about double or nothing or excuse me uh hell in a cell mm-hmm. uh for me this might have been the pay-per-view of the year mm. uh not only was the in-ring action fantastic I mean, maybe one or two matches weren't like home runs, but they were really good. They were triples or in the parks uh, versus home runs. The first match was fantastic. The last match was maybe the most dramatic thing I've seen 
in forever. Um, what was your immediate reaction to double? Uh, I keep saying double or nothing. Hell <laughs> in a cell as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, as a pay per view, especially considering there was a lot of big names not on this card. Roman Reigns wasn't there. Ronda Rousey wasn't there. Brock Lesnar wasn't there. Uh, the Usos weren't on the card. No Randy Orton. No Riddle. Like lots of people not on this show. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the pay per view? Um, yeah, I thought it was surprisingly good. Right when they came out of the gate with that. Although I will say, like, the show started and then there was, like, 15 minutes between the show beginning and the bell for the first match. And I think that's a, maybe a little bit too long. I don't know if AEW's conditioned me to thinking that um, the bell should ring, like, <laughs> five seconds after the show they starts. Do move, AEW moves very quickly from one match to another. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I love pomp and circumstance and entrances and all that. And all three of those women have, um, you know, really enjoyable entrances. And I think... I mean, actually, to be fair, I think that um, entrances for are, are very very important for women's championship matches because there's a lot of little girls out there who who get a lot of joy out of that element um so if it's in you know if it's inspiring um the, the next generation of of talent then i i feel like maybe i shouldn't uh dump on it too much but yeah maybe maybe a little maybe like 10 minutes between the the beginning uh of the show and the, <laughs> and the first bell um, but yeah, that match was phenomenal. I loved it. I was, I, I don't know what, I wasn't expecting it to be bad, but I definitely wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was because it's a triple threat match. I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, it was great. Uh, they they just nailed it. Their chemistry was perfect. They, no, I feel like they didn't, none of them put a foot wrong. Asuka just looked amazing considering she's barely wrestled in eight months or something. She's just, what a pro. Um almost i wouldn't say she carried the match but she was just absolutely incredible um yeah brilliant and bianca just continues to impress and prove that she's worthy of of carrying that that raw women's division um what you were saying about them not having a lot of stars on this card it made it i was thinking about this earlier it reminded me of like um it kind of reminded me of more like ruthless aggression type pay-per-views where they would have the um the you know the brand exclusive pay-per-views it kind of reminded me of that like it was it felt ostensibly like it was just a raw pay-per-view <laughs> um yeah but yes yeah, so that opening match was great for sure yeah i they that match really demonstrated to me that those three women have so many unique characteristics and abilities but their chemistry is off the charts like mm. that flurry from oscar where she's backhand fisting and kicking it backhand fisting like where she's just punching it reminds me of like when those guys like uh, sammy zane and nakamura or those guys get into those just punching matches like that was really really cool mm-hmm. bianca belair continues to show her athleticism becky lynch continues to show that she might be one of the best characters uh in wwe and we talk about people like jericho reinventing themselves and stuff like that becky lynch is really good at it like yeah. she just very very talented when it comes to understanding how to keep herself relevant and to go with the flow and work in the vibe of what's happening i thought it was really cool even the finish with bianca Belair kind of throwing lynch out of there which wasn't exactly a babyface move and then taking the pin on oscar i thought was interesting so uh i really like that i thought it was a great way to kick off the show and i'm with you oscar was the standout performer for me i thought all three were fantastic but uh, and Ozzy's in here on YouTube says, uh, awesome poor pay-per-view, poor Becky. He said that a lot during the Facebook live <laughs> oh, chat yeah. last Bless. night too. Poor Becky, he says. Um, so yeah, okay, so that was a fantastic way to open the show. Um, we've got Lashley versus Omos and MVP in a handicap match. I don't know about you, I was a little surprised that Lashley won this one, but I was very surprised at how over he is. Like, 
if you listen to the pop, like the Chicago fans were hot. They were very good. That audience last night was really into it. But last year was really over. Like they were really cheering him on. And then when he paraded around after he won and he's holding the replica WWE title and he's fans were into the idea of him being in that scene again. Um, yeah. Were you surprised by the fact that he was able to win here? And then were you a little surprised like how over he seems to be? Um, I will say I was surprised. I wasn't surprised last night about how over he was because but I do remember being surprised a few, a few months back by how over he was. But I mean, I think he's actually done. I think he's, he's, he's been performing like really well lately. And I think he deserves to be over. And I think the way they'd been, the way they had been booking him, um, was working for him a lot and was, and was helping him sort of stay over. Uh, they don't have a lot of convincing big dudes that could dethrone Roman Reigns. I think Lashley is is up there. You know, you got Lashley McIntyre. Uh, that's it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean Lesnar, obviously. But... Yeah, maybe Rollins now, yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah, so I, I yeah, I thought that uh, the match was I was was fun was funner than I thought it was going to be. It was it wasn't amazing. I thought MVP did pretty well. I liked his little rap promo at the beginning. Um, yeah it was a lot of fun yeah um i think when it was a handicap when i found out it was going to be a handicap match then i didn't then i thought that i that's when i knew lashley was going to win i thought i think um yeah but you know it didn't blow my mind or anything but it was it was totally serviceable yeah i mean the predictable part of that i suppose in the handicap match is all you got to do is get mvp by himself yeah which is kind of what happened right yeah because mvp is not winning in that situation Mm -hmm. cedric alexander comes down sort of distracts everything, a spear sends Omos out of the ring, and then uh, Lashley's able to put the hurt lock on MVP. So once that happened, that was pretty trivial at that point. Yeah. Uh, but good for Lashley, because I'm, I'm yeah. really happy that he's he's staying in that conversation, even though they've taken him from babyface to heel, they had babyface to now, you know, whatever. They kind of had some bad angles for him with the Lana stuff, and he's done a very good job carrying that title as a heel for a while. Uh, and that he's not lost in the shuffle, that he had his run and it hasn't necessarily removed him from the picture, I think is is really, really good. And he does need um, to move on now. I do think that this should be the end. This has to be the end of the almost Bobby Lashley thing. We're still seeing a lot of residual WrestleMania feuds carrying on, um, which is fine up to a point. But I think, yeah, he needs he needs a new challenge now. And then also we did get the uh, backstage segment a little bit later between Lashley and Alexander, which I'm not sure if that's... Mm-hmm leading somewhere or, or some sort of mini hurt business reformation or something i'm not sure but it was interesting for i sure. would assume that at most it's probably like a hint that maybe cedric alexander is going to try a little bit of a baby face thing here mm-hmm. um we don't know exactly what's going on with shelton benjamin uh if he's injured or away or something because he hasn't been on tv in a long time but uh, this sort of seems to hint that maybe Cedric's going to take on a little bit of. A I mean, he should be a baby face. I think he's he's. I think Cedric Alexander is incredible, and I think I think he should be pushed a little bit more, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where they go with this. Uh, what about Kevin Owens and Ezekiel? The I thought this was a good match, solid match. Both of them put on a pretty good show. Kevin Owens is always great, uh, yelling throughout pretty much the entire match. This is Elias. Uh, I was a little surprised by the outcome, only because. Uh, not that I thought Ezekiel would win here. It was a good statement win for Kevin Owens, but they didn't really solve anything. There's right. no storyline advancement here, really. Like, we still don't... Kevin Owens hasn't proved anything. Ezekiel yeah. still gets to claim he's Ezekiel yeah. and not Elias. <laughs> they haven't really done anything with this, so I was yeah. kind of surprised by that. Like, they just basically had Kevin Owens win yeah. in a solid match. Yeah. 
with no interference. He just beat Ezekiel. So yeah. uh, I was a little shocked by that. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I actually thought the match was, yeah, like you said, it was solid. Um, it was much better than I thought it was going to be. I actually thought um, Ezekiel was was really impressive. And I do think he is like, I think this storyline and this character, there's no, it's, it's stupid. I think it's it's fun, but it's stupid. And I don't know that, I don't know that Elias needed to be repackaged or anything like that. Um, but he's absolutely killing it. Like with the material that he's being given, he's actually he's absolutely like smashing it out of the park. Um, so, and he got a huge pop when he came out. He got his music. He it was. I don't know. I think I think it's intentional. But there's some like Ultimate Warrior vibes there. Um, oh, I was just gonna say. Yeah, he's like if you took all the best '80s baby faces, crumpled them up, threw them on the table, and tried to piece it back together, you'd have Ultimate Warrior. You'd have a little bit of Hulk Hogan. You'd have the Macho Man coming off the top rope yes. with the elbow. Mm-hmm. He's got all of that going mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. which might be one of the reasons people like him so much. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he's got little traces. You can see it mm-hmm. in each one of these people in his character, even though he's never fully all the way there with any of them. Uh, he's got all those little elements, which makes him kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I think he's fun for sure. Also, this match, for some reason, I thought it was longer than it was. I was, I thought In my head, I thought it was like 15, 20 minutes, and I just looked it up, and it was only eight minutes. <laughs> so I don't know if that's oh, yeah. a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, it felt longer than it was. What did you make of uh, Judgment Day? No new member, no heel turn, mm. a new look for Judgment Day, going with the purple and the black. Um, they get a decisive win over AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. Mm-hmm. Rhea Ripley's got a new look, which we've learned was an accident because mm-hmm. apparently the gear that she wanted to use didn't show up. Uh, mm. So she had to make do with what she could. I thought it was awesome. It's kind of a mix between what she used to sort of look like in Batman and now she kind of looks like a purple Joker. Mm. Uh, so I kind of like the new look. I hope she sticks with it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, what did you. I thought this was maybe one of the better. You know, paced matches had a mm-hmm. little bit of short, a little bit of slow, a little bit of fast, lots of energy. Mm. I thought this was—I thought all six competitors in this match were really good. Yeah, yeah, solid match. I mean, it's a mixed—you know—it's a mixed trios match, so um, it's gonna—it's always gonna be difficult to sort of produce. But I think they—they they pulled it—they pulled it off. Um, it was a good length. There's, you know, there's a. Sometimes I think they can string those out longer than they need to be. Um, Liv Morgan tagging with with Balor and AJ Styles is uh, even if they don't win, that's still like really really good for her. That's like a really good rub for her. Um, Judgment Day, I'm not fully sold on right now. I don't know what it is, but something about it isn't clicking with me. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and what happens with it, but right now it's just not it's not um, it's not giving me anything that I like. <laughs> There's something about it that's and I like all the people involved. Um, I just can't see, yeah, I'm just not understanding the, um, you know, I guess the the message that they're trying to convey. Are you, Are you, and a lot of people are, are you one of those people making comparisons to older groups, whether it's uh, the Acolytes or the uh, Ministry of Darkness or the Brood or now even House of Black? Are mm. you kind of in that it's a little too close to that for me? No, I'm not. I, I mean, maybe. I'm not really that i don't really i think if you do that in pro wrestling then you could do that for everything constantly do you know what i mean i feel like there's not um not to say i mean originality pure 100 percent originality is like a myth um yeah. but yeah i do think and obviously edge was in the ministry and the brood so i feel like he's entitled to to borrow elements of those of those gimmicks for for his new thing right so i don't yeah so i haven't really been thinking i'm not, the reason that similarities to other stables isn't the reason that it's not clicking with me i'm just not i don't know i'm just not getting it i don't know but maybe that will change maybe they'll win me over at some point 
Yeah, I, I like it, actually. I'm not sure if I'm totally behind the whole anybody can join at any time thing, but there are some positives to that, too, right? Like, we have no idea who to expect next. Um, Madcap Moss, Happy Corbin. Basically, Moss gets his revenge here. Mm-hmm. Uh, little turnabout's fair play, so he gets Corbin wrapped up in a chair, takes the steel steps, smashes it on the chair. Corbin's taken off in a stretcher, put in an ambulance. We'll call it karma, call it whatever you want. Mm. Uh, different look for Madcap Moss that we learned last week, and it looks like he's rolling forward. I, I'm assuming this is probably going to be the end of their feud, and he'll go on to do something else. What did you think of this? I thought it was a decent energy match. No-holds-barred match, which, you know, I'm not sure that it felt totally no-holds-barred, but there was definitely elements in there of, Yeah, you know, using foreign objects and other items no disqualification stuff. I thought it was a good match. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was solid. I mean, neither of them are like considered, you know, workhorse uh five-star wrestlers are they? So, and I think they did a pretty good job and and worked around that. Um seems like they are I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Happy Corbin now. Maybe he comes back with a different character or something. Um Madcap, I think I I hope they don't I I don't know. I think he's got something. Um whether or not they can utilize him correctly to get that out of him is, is another story. I hope they don't push him too fast too soon or we could end up... My fear is that they're just going to throw... They're just going to sort of slingshot him to like a big a big feud and he's not going to be ready for it and then he's just going to get dumped, right? We've seen it happen time and time again. So, um, yeah. But I'm excited to see you know how his career unfolds from now. I am going to give Happy Corbin some props here. Uh, mm. In the right role, he may be one of the best heels in the business. Mm-hmm. He was so good with that crowd last night. Like he yeah. was using the chair, and then they were. He went under the ring like he was going to get the table, and the fans were like, "Yes, tables!" Like they were cheering, and then he wouldn't give it to them. Like, yeah. and then at one point he's telling the crowd to get back, and he's going to throw a Moss in there, but then turns around, and he's like, "Ah, you guys don't deserve to have yeah. it in your way." So he throws him back. He's so good at working. He is that good. Crowd, yeah. Right? Yeah, Absolutely. he's very, very underrated. In and I've liked Corbin for a long time. Like I saw, I went to an NXT house show in like 2016 or something, and he was doing all that stuff then when he was Baron Corbin, and he was just uh, fans were heckling him, and he was like shutting them down immediately. He'd have like a comeback for everything, um, and I thought he was great then. And I've, I've, and I actually don't think he's a, I don't think he's a bad worker at all. I think he's really solid, and he has a lot of moves that look really, really cool. Um, so yeah, but I hope, I yeah, hopefully he can recover from this you know, pretty quickly. Maybe he'll just go back to being Baron Corbin. A character like him, uh, in many ways, like the Miz or Rollins or what he can lose. Yeah. It doesn't matter. In fact, he's actually better like a Sami Zayn when he loses. Yeah. Right. Cause he can come back out and complain and whine and a bitch about the losing. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's just fine that he has that happen. What did you think of, um, theories match with Mustafa Ali? Mustafa Ali basically loses no interference. Clean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in his hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, fans were into it because WWE really wanted them to be behind them because they're mm-hmm. in Chicago, and they made a very clear note of noting that's where Mustafa Ali uh, was from. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this leaves him, though, because Theory deservedly wins. He's the guy who you want to be pushing. He's the next star in WWE. He's on the rise. You wouldn't want necessarily him to lose uh, in this situation, but there's no cheating involved here, right? Theory just wins, flat-out wins the match. Uh, I don't know what happens here to Ali. Is he just moving on to something else at this point, or did he do his job coming back from a bunch of time away? They used him for this one purpose to get Theory over, and they don't necessarily need him again. Where do you expect he'll go here? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, we've seen them do this, the hometown hero loses clean thing a bunch of times. I, um... Yeah, I mean, I think maybe... Maybe because he's done them a favor now, maybe he'll get some... 
start racking up a few wins and and I don't know maybe or maybe they'll put him in a tag team or something. I mean, you got a guy, he's a very very talented person. I actually think there's I think he's like a worthwhile like I think he's an asset to that roster really. So and I think if they utilize him they could actually like maximize. I think there's I think he I don't, I'm not saying he's like a big draw or anything, but I think he's a guy who can sell t-shirts and I think they should be they should sort of be capitalizing on that. For theory, I'm not sure that he is um I don't I'm not sure he's got the right kind of heat. I mean, I I actually um like quite I quite like him and I used to watch him at Evolve um years ago when he was when he was like just, just breaking out and it was pretty obvious then that he was going to end up in WWE because he had that look and he was actually like a really I always enjoyed his matches and he would do lots of like crazy stuff. Um I don't know that he's getting over in the way that they want him to. I think he's got mostly go away heat right now, which, you know, you can still work with that. There's still th- something to be done there, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, should be interesting. It, it will be interesting to see. Cause I'm not, I, I don't know if he's got go away heat or not. Like mm. they certainly want to boo him, which is yeah. his job, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like Corbin. You know, we mm. just talked about him. It's the people perceive it as go away heat, but they like booing him. Yeah, and right. we see people, go away heat turn into regular heat all the time. So I mean, maybe that's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have a feeling that he is. It's going to take some time, and I think they're going to push this slowly. Mm. Uh, but I think Theory is a guy to watch here in the next year or two because mm. he's got all the tools. And, and he's, he, he's and like he twenty four. <laughs> yeah, something. and something very interesting pointed out. I I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was the Miz, but um, that Theory has a lot of qualities that John Cena had when John Cena was coming up in that he pays attention to everything. He learns, he just sucks it all in, he's like a sponge, right? Mm-hmm. He wants the advice, he's eager to work, he wants to be at every show, he wants to be at every... Like, he just absolutely loves the... And he's the driven to get better and better and better all the time. And they're, that's rare, right? Yeah. Like There are a few people in the industry that are like that scene was one of them, and people have made that comparison. He's no John Cena yet, but... Um, if he's on that trend and he's tracking in the right direction, who knows what he could do. So uh, it'd be very, very interesting. All right, let's get to the main event because that's probably what most people are eager to, to uh, talk about, hear about, kind of see what the heck is going on here. So to give a little backstory to people that didn't know, uh, there was an announcement about a day before Hell in a Cell that Cody Rhodes was not able to wrestle on Saturday night at a live event. He was supposed to wrestle Seth Rollins. They announced at that show that he was injured, and he was replaced by Drew McIntyre. So Drew McIntyre beats Seth Rollins, but Cody Rhodes shows up at the end of that live event and chases Seth Rollins around the ring. So we're kind of like, okay, well, if he's hurt, how hurt is he? Because he showed up, and he was doing some stuff. Then we heard some buzz that maybe his injury might affect his match on Sunday, but WWE was still promoting it. Even he put out some social media tweets like, you guys ready for Sunday? And then the reports confirmed that he had actually really injured himself. So he tore his pectoral muscle. Um, and we didn't know exactly when there was some talk that maybe he did it in the brawl with Seth Rollins on raw and then aggravated it working out. And then WWE announced that, yes, he completely tore it off the bone, um, or tore it off the muscle in a workout session training for the match, but he was going anyway. So we're like, okay, well, how's this going to affect Cody Rhodes in his match with Seth Rollins? We're all thinking, man, what are they going to do here? Are they going to swerve this? Is he going to wrestle? Like, it's going to be really short. What's going to happen? He does his normal intro. You can get the sense that there's somewhat of a bruise under his jacket, uh, but he takes that jacket off, and everyone's like, holy crap. That mm-hmm. is huge. Like, mm-hmm. Triple H, pectoral bruise, reminder, huge, right? This mm-hmm. is massive. 
And so we're like, what is this? He can't possibly wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. And I was nervously uncomfortable. Now, I've done a little digging, we'll talk about it in a second, into what is actually, you know, a, what a doctor would say in that situation and why he was allowed to wrestle and why he chose to go ahead. I did some digging on that. But as I'm watching this before I've realized all of this, I'm thinking, man, this is not safe. This is not a good idea. Why is he in there? Man, that must be painful. This can't be a good idea, right? I was nervously awkward, but super fascinated by it. Like, every minute he was going, I'm growing more and more respect for Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins for for being able to put that, that match together. What did you make of the fact that Cody showed up mm-hmm. when you saw this? What were you thinking as this thing was going down? Mm. How much credit do you give these two guys for mm-hmm. being able to do what they did? They wrestled 24 minutes mm-hmm. and did a lot of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't just throw just phoned in he came and he showed and he that match on its own even if he wasn't injured would have been good but the fact that he was wrestling through that was incredible Mm. so what did you make of all that yeah so i thought it was all very very well done um to to earlier we mentioned this how AEW are sort of not necessarily making lemonade out of the lemons this was uh the opposite right um the, the reveal, first of all, the reveal uh, of Cody slowly sort of re- pulling off the jacket. It was so theatrical. It was really, really powerful. It was really well done. It sort of even just just the just the the removing of the jacket was like showed what what a brilliant performer Cody Rhodes can be. Um, it was yeah. I mean, the whole thing was just from start to finish was just so perfect and so well executed. Um, in a way that, to be honest, we haven't, we don't see that often in WWE these days. I also think um, Cody, the way he's being booked in WWE compared to how he's being booked in a, was it was being booked in AW is just night and day. The fan bases are just connecting with him differently for starters. Um, he, it sucks again. It really sucks that he's injured. and He's going to be out right now because the momentum is off the hook. Like that, he would have the momentum that he would have had would just be crazy and he and you can see him being after this feud with Rollins if he hadn't been getting if he wasn't injured it wouldn't have been like crazy for him to be put into that into a title picture right obviously there's two titles but Roman has both of them um I don't know if you see Cody Rhodes as a legitimate contender to Roman Reigns but I definitely do um yeah I don't know the whole thing was just so well done 24 minutes he I think he 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 turned um what what could have been a very miserable and you know there's still he's still got a long way to go to he recovers but this could have been he he basically like turned something bad and made it a little bit better than it should have been um by working a match with this very i feel like the that that massive massive bruise to to not shy away from that and to use it as a prop almost is it's what pro wrestling's all about and i think he he absolutely killed it and then on the and then to give seth rollins some credit uh he's just incredible he's he's been incredible he's lost four four matches in a row four big matches in a row to cody rhodes and then i think he's lost like every match they had at house shows and they've been wrestling on house shows since wrestlemania um i i i feel i'm curious to see what happens with rollins now um how he's going to recover from losing four matches in a row i think he can do it because i think he's just a really good performer um so yeah whole thing was brilliant (laughs) it was it was absolutely magnificent Mm -hmm. no i know there's going to be some people 
who were looking at this going, Cody never should have been in there. And for those of you that are thinking that, uh, I'll give you a little bit of information. Basically, the muscle was com- the torn pec was completely off. So at that point, there's no further damage that can be done to that injury. So that's why he was cleared to go. That's why he wanted to go. If it was partially torn, he probably wouldn't have actually wrestled uh, because he could have damaged it much further. But the fact that it was already completely torn off, he couldn't hurt it anymore. The only risk you run, really, one is the pain because it would have been super painful uh, to wrestle for 24 minutes with a torn pectoral muscle. Mm -hmm. Two is that overcompensating on some of your other body parts, whether it's the shoulder or part of your arm or whatever, to make up for the fact that you cannot basically use your right pack, um, that's where you could risk injury to something else. So uh, Cody was aware of that. He knew, okay, I have to be careful here on what I'm going to do. But he was basically showing up. He's like, I can't hurt this thing anymore. I know I got to go in for surgery. And he is scheduled to have surgery. He will be out some time. Keep in mind, we never know with people how long these recoveries are going to take. In some cases, it can take four or five months. In John Cena's case, he was back one time with, I think it was Survivor Series, like a couple months, or Royal Rumble, a couple months after he was supposed to be out for a long time. Um, so some guys can recover faster than others, and you don't really know. Uh, Ozzy was in here and asked if he's going to be at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in July. I doubt it. He might make an appearance, but he won't be in the match. He won't be wrestling. Uh, it will be longer than a month uh, for him to be able to wrestle again uh, with that kind of an injury. But that's why he wrestled. That's why he said he was going to go, is that he couldn't have injured that anymore. All that said, he put on a heck of a show. And I believe Cody Rhodes is now, if not in the top two, certainly the top three in terms of total like faces that WWE is going to rely on moving forward. I think he made himself a legend. On Sunday night, he was already good. He was already over. People were pushing him anyway because of his jump from AEW and his name, uh, all that stuff. But man, oh man, did that match put him in a different stratosphere. Like, the amount of respect people showed for him and the wonder and awe and just unbelievable, like, what is going on here that he was able to do this? Even if he was like, this isn't as bad as people think it is, but great, I'll just play it up and we'll totally have some you know, one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. I think that's what this was. I think this is going to go down as a moment that people will remember. It'll be in top 10 highlights for years. Mm -hmm. I think people will look back at this and go, man, oh man, did that turn Cody into a megastar. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he comes back, whenever that is, I think he's going to be on Raw tonight to talk about it. But um, when he comes back and shows up and is able to really go for the first time, the response and the standing ovation, I would expect the amount of cheers and, adoration he gets when he comes back is going to be off the charts so he's the guy yeah to me, he's the guy you ask if he's in that that conversation with roman reigns yes to me now he's the guy who can beat roman reigns if yeah. he isn't the rock it's cody rhodes yeah i totally That's agree i, I feel like he's taken like like i said he took that injury and turned it into a way instead of like allowing the injury to like squash his momentum he turned it into a way to like create more momentum and now he's going to come back even stronger so yeah great stuff yeah and and the amount of promotion because i think wwe i wrote an article today about the backstage feeling from this that we're hearing they know what they just witnessed on sunday night like they understand how big a deal this was and how it's being perceived by the audience and how people were shocked and people were like this is crazy they know what happened here. They realize what Seth and Cody were able to pull off, and they're going to milk the snot out of it. Like, while he's gone and while he's injured and not on television, he's going to be on television. He's going to be on television a lot. They're going to show these highlights. 
They're going to talk about this story. Seth Rollins, I think, is going to probably talk about it a lot. When you ask where he goes from here, I'm sure he'll reference it. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll feel like he's not gone as long as he maybe is because, but you do want him to have some absence, right? You want Mm. people to miss him a little Mm -hmm, bit, mm -hmm. Uh, but I think it won't feel as long as it might be. If he's out, say four or five months, I don't think it's going to feel like that because they're going to be talking about this match and highlighting this for a long time. Mm. Um, So I don't, I don't think we're going to feel the, oh man, where's Cody uh, vibes and talk about terrible timing with CM Punk. I mean, that sucked, right? Cody's just in that spot where they're going to use him like crazy, and now he can't wrestle for a few yeah. So, um, but that was really something. Overall, uh, what would you give the pay per view if you had to rate it out of five? Uh, I said on my show last night on Facebook, it was about as close to a five as I've given any pay per view this year. Mm. Um, I don't really ever give anything a full five because there's always something, but this was close. Like this yeah. was really, really good when you consider all the factors, the names that weren't there. The drama at the end, the matches were all good. I yeah. mean, it wasn't one bad match on the entire card. Yeah, um, these guys really showed up. I yeah. thought they did a very, very good job. So I, I want to give them props and say it's about as close as a five as I've given anything this year. Yeah, I thought it was a good show, a, a, a fantastic opener, and then an incredible sort of historic main event. Um, the ma- there were you're right. There weren't any there weren't any bad matches, but there, I think some of the matches in the middle I wasn't super interested or invested in um however it was a short pay-per-view right i liked that it was short it was under three hours i'm I'm pretty sure um which is rare it feels like these days but yeah i would give i'd give it like a 3.8 or maybe a four maybe a four but yeah i don't know if i would quite get close to five just yet i would maybe want a couple more um matches that i was super invested in i think but yeah sure that's fair yeah uh do we have anything else we got to cover before we wrap her up today this is we went almost 50 minutes talking about this so uh anything that we really need to address that we haven't no i think we got all the bases covered man for now and then if you know if anything happened i'm sure there'll be some we'll need to do some emergency podding at some point but yeah yeah it, it always seems like as soon as we feel like we're gonna have a few days uh, something comes up right mm. cm punk's injury cody Rhodes, this sort of thing but yeah we wanted to address the cm punk and cody Rhodes stuff because that was the really big storyline over the last few days uh, for everybody else who's been listening to this, we appreciate it. Uh, if you're downloading this and subscribing to it on your favorite podcast platform, fantastic. We appreciate that, too. If you can, go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. That would be really helpful. Uh, check out thesportster.com for all the news and articles that we're talking about and writing about on these podcasts. Uh, for Norman and myself, this has been another edition of The Sportster Show, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Uh, enjoy Raw tonight. <laughs> A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips. For just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.